This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Metron Garage is a company designing unique garages, condos, and other structures specifically for the auto enthusiasts. They've got eight models to choose from, including two-story options, which I think is super cool, while with a very modern look and feel to them. And they come in all sizes, and they're fully customizable. You can check out them today and start specking your own ultimate garage at metrongarage.com, where you can request a catalog or talk to someone to learn more. So be sure to check it out. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. This episode is all about the tremendous offerings RM Sotheby has during their Sandlot's May sale and an interview with Joe Bortz. But before we get to that, I have to talk about the breaking news, the sale of the most expensive car in the world. This was truly insane, incredible. RM Sotheby's just sold the most expensive car in the world. I'm going to read this directly from their press release. I hope to have some of the key folks on the podcast in the future, so be sure to keep an eye out for that. From their press release, a 1955 Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR Uhlenhaut Coupe from 1955 has been sold at auction for a record price of 135 million euros, equivalent to $142 million to a private collector. The car, which is one of two created in 1955, has always been regarded as one of the great jewels of motoring history but few ever imagined that it would be offered for sale. One of just two prototypes built by the Mercedes-Benz Racing Department, the car is named after its creator and chief engineer and is considered to be one of the finest examples of automotive engineering and design, often cited as being the most beautiful car in the world by automotive experts and enthusiasts worldwide. The remarkable 300 SLR was based on the hugely successful W196R Grand Prix car, which won two world championships in the hands of Fangio. But with its engine enlarged to three liters for sports car racing, the car was capable of 180 miles an hour, making it one of the fastest road legal cars to have ever been created at the time. The sale of the 300 SLR took place on May 5th at an auction held at the Mercedes-Benz Museum in Stuttgart. With RM Sotheby's working in close cooperation with Mercedes-Benz throughout the entire process, to ensure the sale was concluded to the highest possible standard. Among the invitees were selected Mercedes customers and international collectors of car and art who share the corporate values of Mercedes-Benz. So if you go to armsotheby's.com or onto their Instagram page, they do have a really cool video that kind of starts, you know, it starts at $50 million, which surpassed the highest price ever paid for a car public auction which was also sold by R.M. Sotheby's, a 1962 Ferrari 250 GTO, which sold for around, I want to say it was $48 million. So the opening bid for this car was $50 million. So right out out of the gate, it was the most expensive car ever bought in the world. Just really amazing, beautiful car. Like I said, stay tuned. I hope to have some more information on it with some of the folks involved in the future. Okay, now let's go on to... What we're going to talk about on this episode. So yes, I'm going to talk about the Sandlot offering. That's the name of Arm Sotheby's May Sale. That is live right now. So you can go to armsotheby's.com. Check out these cars I'm talking about. 
I do have an interview with Joe Bortz. He has the 1977 AMC van concept that's in the sale, which I fell in love with, and a 1957 Ford Fairlane 500 White Pearl hot rod that was hot rodded day two. The guy bought it in 1957, and then he started hot riding it in period, and it's exactly that way today. I will have some special market trend analysis by Andrew Rydell from Data Driven. I met Andrew at our Scottsdale auction. Really bright guy. His website is datadriven.autos. And if you're looking for some cool, interesting facts about cars that are that's market-driven, this is a pl- great place to go. So what's interesting is he specializes in Lamborghinis, Ferraris, after 1970, Porsches around 1980 on Corvettes, Vipers, McLarens, Aston Martins, Bugattis, 1990s and newer. So that's kind of neat. He's kind of in a cool niche that's kind of the young timers, 80s, 90s, 2000s. He has a really cool report on uh, the Ferrari 550-575M. And in this report, you can look at it online. He has everything from pricing by model, the median price over time, appreciation, depreciation charts, the effect of mileage on value, and even the effect of the car attributes. You know, how the model year, the exterior color, the interior color, whether it's a left-hand drive or a right-hand drive, a lot of cool information. So I will quote some of his data points here shortly. Something else I'd like to mention before we get into this podcast is if you go to rmsotheby's.com, you'll see that we just announced the Oscar Davis collection that's coming to our Monterey sale unbelievable cars i will do a deep dive into this collection at some point in the future any one of these cars from this collection would be the diamond in anyone else's collection and i believe it's 27 cars worth approximately 100 million dollars that are coming to our monterey sale unbelievable and i I can tell you there's even more unbelievable stuff coming just has not been announced yet now one thing that's new to our online offering starting with this particular sale our may sale is that we're not just offering cars. We're offering other stuff that goes with cars. Now, this is from our Sotheby's division. So we will have Rolexes as well as Chanel and Louis Vuitton purses along with the great vehicles we have for this May sale. So I'll just rattle off some of the Rolexes. I'm not going to go deep into the purses. But for the Rolexes, we'll have a Daytona, a Steel, Submariner, an Explorer 2, a Milgas, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, and a two-tone Submariner, in our May sale. That's all live right now. Be sure to check it out. I know a lot of car guys are, are watch guys and a lot of car gals are watch gals as well as Chanel and Louis Vuitton gals. Okay, so let's get started with some of these lots. I picked these out because I thought they were fun, interesting. Uh, I'll say, uh, you know, go a little bit more in depth on a couple of them. Uh, the first one is the Scudiera Ferrari Limited Edition Surfboard. When have you ever seen a surfboard before in a car auction? When have you ever seen a Ferrari surfboard? I've never seen either. Uh, the estimate on this one is $3,500 to $5,000. Goes great with the theme, sandlots, beach, fun in the sun. A Ferrari limited edition surfboard. All right, the next car is what you think of when you think of the beach. It's the dune buggy, but this is one of the original ones. The 1966 Myers Manx. Actually, the original one, or at least the original builder. The estimate on this one's $40,000 to $50,000. And this is from R.M. Sotheby's, an American icon that Manx embodies the go-anywhere, do-anything, Southern California spirit of its creator, Bruce F. Myers. Based on European underpinnings, the modified Volkswagen Beetle drivetrain 
and short in frame offer a steady, reliable base for lightweight fiberglass bodywork. The combination of purpose-built off-road ability and lightweight construction allowed the Manx to dominate the overland racing scene of the 1960s, beating out trucks, motorcycles, and cars at the inaugural Baja 1000. Aside from becoming a staple of off-road racing, it also developed a road-going pop culture following, boistered by its starring role in such films as Steve McQueen's The Thomas Crown Affair. I also remember there was a Saturday morning kids show. I don't remember what it was called, but there was a dune buggy that was one of the characters, and it had eyeballs for headlights and, and do stuff with its antenna. If you remember what that show was, shoot me a note. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to look it up. All right, the next one is one you think of again when you think of the beach. A 1972 Volkswagen Type 2 Microbus 23-window conversion. And the estimate on this one is eighty to $100,000. Again, I can see a surfboard sitting on top of that. Uh, the next one you might not think of as beach, but it's definitely something you would take cruising for dinner at the beach. 2017 Ford GT. Obviously, these have been hot for a while. Uh, they went tremendously up when they first became available to market once those two-year moratoriums were lifted. Uh, they went soft you know, in the latest six months or so, and now they're starting to go back up. So the estimate on this one is $980,000 to $1.18 million. Some Haggerty data here. The latest one-year change is up 15%. The latest three-year change is up 28%. So that captures that big bump once the two-year moratorium was lifted. All right, the next one's the 2020, basically brand new, Porsche 911 Carrera 4S Coupe. Again, one that you would take to your fancy seafood restaurant. Estimates 125 to 175. This is a well-specified low-mileage Carrera 4S destined to be a future classic. Finished in extra-cost aventurine green metallic over tan leather. Now, this one has the 443-horsepower 3-liter twin-turbocharged flat-six-cylinder engine paired with an 8-speed dual-clutch PDK transmission. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, stay tuned as well. I will be giving away a free Porsche for the weekend through Porsche Drive. Uh, more to come on that. Probably not for another three months or so, but stay tuned because you can win a Porsche for the weekend. All right, next is a 1990 Mercedes-Benz 250 GD Wolf. This one is the ultimate beachcomber. This thing is incredible. Picture a Jeep Wrangler but built on a G-Wagon chassis. Convertible, open air, this beautiful blue. So it's called here a bespoke Mercedes-Benz G-Class Resto Mod, refurbished and customized by Expedition Motor Company in Frenchtown, New Jersey. The estimate on this one is 120 to 135. It is wicked cool looking. Basically, everything was redone on this sport U. Finished in stunning sky blue over a custom interior with gray marine grade upholstery featuring blue contrast stitching. Now, it's powered by a 2.5-liter inline five-cylinder diesel engine paired with a five-speed manual transmission, robust four-wheel drive system with three locking differentials so you will not get stuck on those sand dunes. Actually has heated seats for when it gets chilly, lifted suspension, black steel wheels, Really, really cool. It's a tastefully modern twist on the venerable and timeless G-Class. Definitely check this out. There is a link in the description of this podcast. Just click the link. It'll take you right to the page. All right. The next is a 1937 Ford Custom Street Ride Woody. I always think of the beach when I think of Woody's. You know, the surfers would put their surfboards in the back there. Picture the mid to late 60s when these cars were 10 or 15 years old and nobody wanted them. Surfers picked them up because they could take them to the beach. They could put their boards in the back. 
It is iconic, especially in Southern California. Now, this is a high-end and customized street rod. It's based on a Chevrolet C4 Corvette chassis. The color is sunburnt bronze. Uh, has a 1937 Ford grill and teardrop headlights, and is powered by a 383 Stroker V8. Ah, oh, just sounds awesome. Now, the other thing that's cool, it has a leather tan interior, and it has bird's eye maple wood accents, maple roof slats, and a leather wrapped chrome steering wheel. So just throw your surfboard on the top, and you could head down to the beach at about 120 miles an hour. <laughs> it even has AC. What, what's not to like? All right, the next few I'm going to go into is all about the Mustangs. You know I'm a big Mustang fan. Been one for years. Uh, we have three of them in the sale. The first one just knocked my socks off when I saw it. It's super desirable. The estimate's 55 to 75 grand. It's a 1968 Ford Mustang GT convertible. So here's the thing with this car. It's a big block. It's a 390 cubic inch big block GT verified by Marty Report. For data driven, he took a rolling average of 20 auction results. And so his data shows that in the latest six months, the 68 GT convertible has been flat, one year up 16%, three years up 22%. Now I do like to look at how that compares to uh, Haggerty's data. So in the latest one year up 18.8%, that's very close to what Andrew stated in his report, three year up 31.3%. So muscle cars are back on a tear here. I know it's a pony car, but with a big block, I'm going to put it in the muscle car category. It's a beautiful gold color, uh, so I would definitely take a look at that. Now, the other two, it's a 1966 convertible and then a 19, another 1968 convertible. And both of them, the estimates are 35 to 45 grand. Beautiful colors. The 1966 Mustang, I think it's called Caspian Blue. It's a light blue color with dark blue interior. Beautiful, presents tremendously well. And then the 1968 is springtime yellow now for 1968 it might have changed to a different name but i think it's actually the same color uh the 66 is a 289 two barrel and the 68 is i think it's a 302 two barrel both are great cruisers ready for the sun uh, absolutely beautiful great unique colors you don't see all of the time now for the 1966 mustang convertible six months change per data driven up 21.7 percent one year up 38 percent in three years, up 14.7%. For the 1968 Mustang convertible, the six month is up 14.6. The one year is up 23.8. And three year is basically flat, down half a percent. So thanks to Data Driven for those bullet points. All right, the next car is one that I'm very familiar with as I'm representing the car in the sale. It's a 1959 Ford Anglia 100E. I hope I'm saying that correct. The estimate is eighteen to $24,000. This is the car, you can call it the Harry Potter car. It's not the exact Harry Potter car. This one's in much better shape with much better colors. If you want to know what it looks like, picture the Harry Potter car. Now, per the Harry Potter car, that one was once owned by Arthur Weasley, Ron's dad. And it used to be a standard Ford Angelia until Mr. Weasley enchanted it by making it able to fly, becoming invisible to muggles, and to carry his entire family despite its modest size. Now, the one that's in our sale is a beautiful white with red accents and a two-tone white and red interior. And honestly, that's the car of all that I represent for the May sale. That's the one I've had the most interest in. So hopefully we'll find a new home. All right, the next one is a 2008 Saturn Sky Turbo Convertible. Now, the estimate on this one is 25 to 30 grand. 
And I wanted to pull some comps on this because this is a car that has not until recently started popping up in the collector car marketplace at auctions, at least not with any significant growth in the market value. And when I pulled the Haggerty numbers, the 2008 Saturn Sky one year is up 18.8%, three years up 14.4%, five years up 11.4%. So it's increasing and appreciation in the most recent year compared to the last five years. The Redline version, which is the turbo version, it's up 8% latest one year, up 15.2, and up 24.4 latest five years. So that trend slowed a little bit. It got out of the gate a little bit faster. And then if you wanted to compare it to the Solstice, which I thought this was interesting, the Solstice version is worth more than the Saturn version. Not by a lot, by maybe 5%, but it's consistent between the base and the turbo model, the GXP. And their growth has been stronger. Latest one year for the base is up 28%. Latest one year for the turbo GXP is up 21.9%. Compare that to 8% and 18.8% on the Saturn. Makes you wonder. Because both those brands are discontinued. Maybe it's just folks want it for their Pontiac collection. And, you know, you can only collect so many Saturns. Maybe that's what it's all about. All right, so now we're going to take a little break and catch up with our buddy Joe Bortz from Bortz Auto Collection in Highland Park, Illinois, to learn a little bit more about his two cars in the sale. Well, I'm thrilled to have Joe Bortz on of Bortz Auto Collection. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Pleasure to be able to talk to you. Now, this is fantastic. I'm so thrilled to have you on. I've actually heard your name rattled about about all the cool cars you have in your auto museum, and we... I haven't had a chance to see them, and I haven't had a chance to talk to you really before now. But you have two great cars coming up at our May sale, and I wanted to see if you could not only tell us about your auto museum, but about the two cars you have coming up in our May sale. Sure, sure. I'd be happy to. Just a little background on myself. I'm a 80-year-old guy that's been collecting cars for 55 years, and I have been known all, during that time to always collect some very unique, unusual cars, and uh, usually cars that are one-off cars are what attracts me. But, uh, you know, there's three reasons uh, in my mind to be a car collector, uh, uh, as such as uh, I always say it's the locomotive for each individual, what drives them to per uh, pick out a particular, you know, style or genre of car. And the three, you know, classifications are, Either you love to look at them like me, so you look at them like artwork hanging on the wall or sculptures, or you like to drive them, and that's, uh, you know, some guys, they they just have to be out there driving their cars, go on tours and stuff like that, and that's not really me. And the third one is the guys that love to take the cars apart and put them back together, and that's for sure isn't me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, 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 in my early days when I was about 18 or 19, I took apart a 39 Cadillac engine in my parents' garage and put it back together, and uh, the engine wouldn't even turn over. It was stuck. So I learned at that point in my life that I was not going to be a great mechanic. So anyhow, you know, but I did uh, love to go to the Chicago Auto Show at the amphitheater back then and see all the fantastic concept cars and things like that and you know never thought i could ever touch one or sit in one and eventually i owned quite a few but i also like you know very unusual and unique custom cars from the 50s and 60s and certainly the 1957 ford the 
John North car. John North was the George Barris of the west Co- of the uh, east uh, coast, and uh, he was very famous out there for his custom cars. And his coup d'etat was the 1957 Ford that is in the auction. It's a car I've owned for about uh, well, around 15 years, maybe a little longer. And it's uh, really a great car. And, of course, eventually his neighbor and his wife's cousin was Gene Pitney, and he sold the car to Gene Pitney. It became known as the Gene Pitney uh, car. It's a fabulous car. It was ordered from the factory with an E-engine. An E-engine is a uh, engine with two four-barrel carburetors, and that was their uh, police interceptor engine, and I believe it had solid lifters, although I'm not sure. And it was, uh, I think it was rated around uh, 300 horsepower, maybe a little more. He sent the car out and had it nose, deck, rake, dummy spotlights, tuck and roll interior, but he went to complete extremes on the tuck and roll interior so that the not only are the seats tuck and rolled, but the carpeting is tuck and rolled, <laughs> and the uh, there's a steering wheel cover that goes on for show purposes that's tuck and rolled and is signed by Gene Pitney. And there's actually a tunnel that covers the back seat and uh, attaches to the top of the front seat. So it was just, you know, back then at the shows, you always wanted to have one upmanship, so that was... <laughs> the car just went to all kinds of extremes, and it just runs phenomenally, sounds great. I mean, if you love custom cars from the 50s, this is really one of the best, and it runs great. And the car is about, I'd say, 90% original paint, chrome, interior. Um, the car at one time uh, had a, a little uh, punch on the rear trunk, and that was fixed you know, back in the maybe in the 80s or 70s or something, you know. But the rest of the car is completely original paint and interior and everything, and it runs out phenomenally. So it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful car. It's a car you can take on a tour. You can tour, you know, you can drive it at 75, 85 miles an hour all day long if you wanted to. And uh, it's going to be a great opportunity for somebody to add it to their collection. Yeah, and what I loved about it, as soon as I saw it, I sent to sent it to one of my clients, and I was just blown away by the tuck and roll, like you said, on the floors, you know, every, everywhere. I mean, it's it's just everywhere. And then the really cool RCA right. Victoria, is it called a Victor uh, radio on the dash as well? Well, it's got the original radio. The, the, the knobs that control everything on the dash are specially made of triple-layer custom plastics that's turned on a lathe. That's beautiful. It has a dummy TV in it that somebody could put in uh, the uh, insides if they wanted to try and get it working. And uh, also the scalloping on the car is gold leaf. So, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, the trunk is remote uh, opening from the uh, rear window. There's a little pull lever there. Uh, It has the beautiful original chrome uh, air intake over the two four-barrel carburetors uh, has a special you know grill that was made and I mean the car and then there's pictures of the car uh, not of the car but of John North uh, holding his baby at that time he's surrounded with his uh, him and his wife are surrounded by trophies I mean wherever he took the car he was winning trophies I think it won 30 or 40 trophies uh, you know within a couple three-year period for all the shows that it went to. So it was a very famous car. He was very famous. And 
his son that he's holding in the in the pictures came to see the car about a year or two ago and we did a video which is up on the internet where he talks about the car and he remembers Gene Pitney coming over to the house when he bought the car to take the car home to you know to his house and all that so everything is you know pretty much uh, you know documented to a very high degree so that yeah that's that's a wonderful wonderful car and somebody's going to be very very pleased with it and I know you can still take it it's a survivor car so you know it's it's an amazing survivor car that the paint and the chrome and everything is really in wonderful shape the interiors in wonderful shape the car runs out phenomenally yeah, it's a really great car. And like you said, a period car, preservation class car. I mean, a period hot-rodded car, uh, which is really, really amazing. Now, your other car in the auction really hit home with me because I think it's such a beautiful creation. It's a 1977 AMC AM van concept, and I grew up in the 70s. And to me, this hits a lot of things. It's a van. It's 70s. I mean, it's amazing. So tell us a little bit about this cool ride. Right. Well, that's a concept car. It's what they call styling buck. And that means it looks like a completely running car. It was the stages for developing a design for a car uh, back then were that they first have an artist do a small rendering of what they thought the next car should be, or you know, and then they would sketch it up. And if it got approval from the design department, then somebody would make a small clay model out of it, and then they'd pass that around. And if everybody liked that, then they'd make a full-scale clay model out of that. And if everybody liked that, then they would make the styling buck. The styling buck is the car has the full appearance of a complete running car. When you look at it, it was... um, main purpose was to be able to take it outside, put it in the sunlight, have all the execs look at it to see what the car would look like as a finished product. And then if that worked out, then they'd take the car and put in the running gear and all that. So this car is everything but the running gear and uh, the full interior. It has a half interior in it so that when it's sitting there and you're looking at it, you absolutely think it's a complete running car. So it's a wonderful car for a collection that wants to have a claim of having a concept car. I mean, there's very, very, very few collections throughout the United States that can make the claim that they have an American concept car. And so that's a pride of ownership, and this is a particularly good-looking one. You know, you can see that their intentions were to have four-wheel drive and have a turbo engine, but it does not have any of that internally. But for a museum, you know, and uh, certainly, you know, the concept cars that are running concept cars can be astronomical in value. And this particular car in the the 60s, uh, uh, Rambler Company uh, up in Wisconsin, um, was taking over the small car market, and they were very, very successful. So in the late 70s, they put on a car show uh, at the, or they put on a display at car shows for that, I think it was 1977, of Cars of the Future, and this was one of them. And that's actually, you can go see a variant of this car where it has a different window treatment, another one that they made that's in the uh, video that's on YouTube. And they have all sorts of advanced cars that they were proposing would be the cars of the future at that time. 
And this is, uh, I think there's only one other car from that exhibit that uh, um, survived. But this is really the most important one and the most beautiful one. And everybody that sees it says, you know, if they made that car, that design today, which is not dated at all with fins or anything like that, everybody said, what a marvelous car, i got to buy one. You know, but uh, so it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful car for somebody to have in their collection and uh, for a museum, for a collection, uh, for the pride of ownership of being able to say that, hey, we have a concept car in our collection. So it's, uh, it's uh, and it's, you know, everybody that sees it is just blown away with its attractive design. Well, the car uh, was uh, uh, given to, uh, to us uh, when uh, Chrysler bought AMC. And because we had saved so many Chrysler concept cars, uh, they wanted to do something for us. So they made us a deal, and we ended up buying it from Chrysler. Uh, but they were very nice about making sure that we got it. And so it's been in our collection. And it, the car is completely original, paint, chrome, uh, interior, every, everything that the car was made for in the show in 1977 is exactly the original uh, everything right now today that you see on the car. So, uh, yeah, so it's a wonderful, wonderful survivor besides everything else. And, uh, would be very, very attractive uh, for anybody uh, to have in their collection. But it's a, stat it's a static display. It's nothing you can get in, drive it around, or anything like that. But it's uh, certainly a piece that uh, causes a lot of attention, you know. Yeah, it's funny you said, you know, the comments on how gorgeous it is. And I, that's what struck me first. I'm like, the proportions on this thing are just amazing. Uh, it is really good looking. I mean, to me, I, I'm surprised it wasn't greenlit in period because it is such an attractive design. Uh, you know, if you take a look at those wheels, which are specially made for the car, I mean, if you had to have those wheels custom cut and made for some car that you were making for the Grand National Roadster Show or for some other reason, you'd probably spend, you know, just for the wheels, fifty dollars to $100,000 to have those wheels made and cut and designed for you. Sure. So, I mean, you know, and the wheels are just gorgeous and, the, you know, everything about it is just super, super attractive. I mean, it's the most, you know, interesting sculpture of the period and uh, somebody's going to be very delighted to have that in their collection. No, that's great. Now, I appreciate you being on the podcast here talking about these two cars, but let our listeners know where they can learn more about the rest of the cars in your really cool collection. Well, if you just uh, go on to the Internet and put in Joe Bort's cars or Sports Auto Collection. Uh, we have our own uh, channel on YouTube. I think it's uh, Sports Cars. Uh, you'll see a lot of videos of our cars. And, of course, you know, concept cars are, has been my specialty since uh, the er early 80s. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people say I'm the go-to concept car guy, uh, especially for, of course, American concept cars. And, uh, yeah, so it's been a, you know, it's been a, a wonderful thing for me to enjoy the hobby the way I have. And, of course, I've had all sorts of classic cars, Duesenbergs and V12 Packard, dual Kyle Phaetons and, you know. Uh, some good Ferraris, many, huh? Ferraris. I've had some of the best Ferraris, short wheelbase Berlinetta, short wheelbase California Roadsters. But, 
you know, I ended up uh, being always interested, whatever I collected, whether it was Ferraris or Duesenbergs or um, cords, you know, I still have my 1937 cord that I bought in 1968. Yeah, so, but I, 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 I'm a person that has to fall in love with the visual before I can enjoy the other aspects of driving it or something like that. But I would never buy a car, a collector car, because I thought it was just a great driver. You know, I'd have to have a, an attractive appearance for my eye before I would continue on with my interest. You know, to each his own, and that just happens to be mine, but I was very lucky to be able to carry it into the, you know, field of uh, concept cars, and so, you know, we've really are very proud of what we've done in, in that area, you know. I really appreciate your time on the Collector Car Podcast today, Joe. Well, thank you very much for the uh, time and uh, look forward to maybe uh, talking to you again on your show. All right. Thanks to Joe for joining us. I just want to give a few bullet points on those two offerings in the Sandlot sale. First, the 1977 AMC AM van concept. I am in love with this thing. Even though it doesn't run, it doesn't have a drivetrain. The estimate is fifty to $60,000. If I had that, now this might this is sacrilegious. <laughs> I would probably... I would probably put an engine and drivetrain in it, show up to my local... Actually, I don't know that you could do that, but I'd figure out a way. Show up to my local cruising and just blow everyone's mind because no one has ever seen this thing on the road, ever. So like it says in the description, this is a rare opportunity for a serious collection or museum to lay claim to of owning a historically significant concept car from one of the most storied American automakers. I know you AMC fans out there... You are die hard. So it wouldn't surprise me if this one went a little bit nuts because it's very attractive looking. It would look great whether or not it ever moved. Okay, and the other one was the 1957 Ford Fairlane 500 White Pearl. Estimate on this one is fifty to $60,000. Customized by John North, who was often called the George Bears of the East. Now, this is a rare ride. This is a factory Eco, 270 horsepower, 312 cubic inch V8 with double four-barrel carburetors. Even without the hot rod provenance, it's a rare car. Previously owned by noted singer-songwriter Gene Pitney. And the other thing I like about this one a lot, and I know we touched on it, is it was widely featured in period publications including Rod and Custom, Car and Craft, and Hot Rod. Which is really cool, because when you display it, you can display the magazines from 1958, 1959, 1960, whenever, that this thing originally appeared in. Very, very cool. Well, that's it for this episode of the Collector Car Podcast. As always, thank you for joining me. I appreciate your support. Please share this with friends. Ask them to subscribe. I really need to get my listener count up so I can continue sharing fun car tales and market reports with you. And with that, I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast. <laughs>